Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. And guess who I brought with me today? It was, well, Hola. actually she was on her own. How are you? <laughs> she wasn't here that early. <laughs> Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota Extension is back with us answering your uh, uh, questions. Morning. How are you? It's a frosty morning. Out it is there. a little bit. It's forty-eight bit right now, and uh, and autumn is almost upon us. Yeah, eight o'clock tonight, I guess. Eight fifty-four to, to be what exact. Al said. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> well, as usual, Julie will be answering your uh, questions. This is our lawn and garden show, brought to us by our friends at By the Yard. They sponsor that every every single week, fifty-two weeks a year here on CC, and we thank them for that. But you know, we have another special guest too that uh, you yes. and I just met. Yes. In fact, we just heard Jared. On the radio. That's right. Seconds ago. Turf grass expert. In fact, Jared, good morning. Hit that little middle button there and there uh, say hi. Hi, I'm happy, uh, happy to be here. <laughs> All right. Now, now Jared is, is the turf guy. Now, you, we understand, Julie and I, that we heard that you, uh, you did uh, know a guy by the name of Sam Bauer. I did, yeah. I got a chance to work with Sam while I was an undergrad at the U of M. Outstanding, right. yes. Well, yeah, go uh, Gophers. Jared is going to be here. For about a half hour answering uh, your uh, turf questions. Yeah, let's keep them busy. So, uh, Julie and, and, uh, and I'm just going to go get some coffee. You do. <laughs> wait, no, wait a minute. You, you've got to answer some tough. questions, too. <laughs> All right. So, if you do have specifically a turf question for Jared, uh, now is your chance. Don't wait. Call us at 651 989 9226 or uh, send us text. Uh, the text number, by the way, is 81807. So, Julie and Jared. How yeah, about that? J&J. Yeah. Yeah, right. All right. So call us or text us. And you know we tend to get busy uh, for sure here on the show. In fact, I want to grab some text messages, Julie, wow. that had come Holy in already. Moly. Let's see. Uh, I have a large, very fast-growing smoke bush that requires pruning at least twice a year, or its long branches cover the lawn and my patio. The bush is, oh, the screen just jumped. The bush <laughs> is much too large for me to move. What are your thoughts? Are the best times to cut it back during the growing season? I, I do prune it when it's dormant, but that alone is not enough. By the way, Jared is with Mickman Brothers, our yes, friends at Mickman yeah, Brothers, too. I yeah, want to make that company. specific, too. Um, what do you think about that text? uh, Well, smoke bush are called smoke bush because of the, the kind of pale pink or lavender colored flowers that are the smoke. I'm doing air quotes here. Oh, yeah. And uh, and they should be it should be pruned after it blooms. That would be one opportunity to do that. So uh, as soon as it blooms, finishes blooming next year, then uh, go ahead and, and give it a haircut at that point. All right. Very good. Uh, Gary is calling from St. Louis Park. Maybe this is for uh, for Jared, I think. Go ahead, Gary. Hi, everybody. Good morning. And morning. Thanks for a great show on, on Saturday morning. Thank, Thank you. you. We had over five inches of, of water in, in the yard the other day, and I'm wondering... <laughs> 
how how long should I wait before I even attempt to to mow again? Yeah, I'm with you on that question too. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of folks are in that. I, uh, I believe it, and I I've avoided walking around in my lawn too. I got some standing water. Um, I'd give it a couple of days until you can't feel that sponginess. You know, when you walk, uh, a lot of times you'll end up doing more damage to your lawn when you yeah. cut it when it's that wet. Uh, end up with ruts, especially if you have a riding lawnmower. I don't know. Uh, what your situation is on that, but uh, definitely can cause more damage than than good at that point. So I'd give it a give it a week, not maybe not a week, but a couple of days to let it dry out. Hopefully. Jared, what what I haven't done yet, I know it's, it's scheduled to be done here in the next week. I think is it is it too late or uh, to aerate the lawn, or can we still do that for the next uh, week? Absolutely or two? not. You got uh, not plenty of time left, maybe a week or two um, to see the best benefit from that, but. So there's still time. still time. Yep. All right. That, that's good. Uh, okay. Uh, Mike in Andover is calling. Mike, what is your question? Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I have a hydrangea tree that has the cone-shaped flowers, and it has a, it stands probably about six feet tall. It has a brilliant full foliage. The only problem is the foliage is very heavy to one side, and it's starting to cause the trunk of the tree to lean. When uh, can and when can I prune this to get the the, the branches that can, that make up the foliage more consistent, more evenly shaped? So is the top of the plant then leaning to one side, kind of drooping over? It is. It's starting to. Okay. Well, you can uh, if it's if if you're concerned over damage to the plant, then you could go ahead and and prune those off. Um, I would I would actually maybe head them back a little bit even now. Um, but definitely in the spring, you would want to do some uh, pruning back on that and kind of look at the shape of the plant. It often helps to to step back and take a look at it overall and then uh, find the areas that uh, the branches that are a little bit too gangly. Some of the hydrangeas, will you'll see them put out almost perfectly straight uh, branching, from mostly from the center of the plant, but it could be from the edges as well. And those can just be headed, you can just cut those back to a reasonable point at which um, they kind of meld back into the shape of the plant. Okay. That's a panicle hydrangea, by the way, the triangular shape. Thank you, Mike, for the call. Good one. Bev is calling from Invergrove Heights with a question. Go ahead, Bev. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'd like to know when is a good time to cut down the hostas and the daylilies? Well, it depends on uh, your schedule. (laughs) Um, cutting back in the fall is uh, some people like to do it in the fall because it tidies it up for the winter but you can also leave them until spring and leaving them till spring gives you a couple advantages one is you don't have to do it now because there's usually a lot of things to do in the fall sometimes people are kind of tired of doing a little bit of yard work at that point but it also can uh, lay over the crowns of the plants and create a little bit of protection from winter uh, frost and heave. So it uh, it acts as kind of a, 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 a mulch, a natural mulch to the plant. Um, but it's really up to you, cutting back in the fall or cutting back in the spring either way. Thank you, Bev. Uh, there's a line open at 651-989-9226. If you have a turf question for Jared, call it in or text it in right now while Jared's here. here here's one for you, Jared. A text came in. Can I still seed a new lawn this week? Uh, absolutely. This week is still a good week. You probably want, I usually say, four to six weeks to get a chance to get good germination and root establishment before uh, frost comes. So get after it soon. 
Do a lot of people, uh, we talk about this from time to time of the show, do dormant seating? Yeah, that's definitely an option too. Um, and that's a little more finicky on when you do that. Um, you want to get in before frost, obviously, um, but before there's too much warm temperatures for that seed to germinate because you want to wait till the spring when, when, the th- when the soil thaws out and temperatures warm up for it to germinate then. A delicate balance. Yeah. Here's a follow-up on what I was asking you, Jared. Do you need to, <clears throat> excuse me, aerate every year? You definitely don't have depends. to do it every year. Definitely depends. Depends uh, on your uh, compaction? Right. And uh, up where we operate in Ham Lake, uh, it's very sandy up there, so you don't get a lot of compaction as compared to some of these guys down in in Minneapolis or out west even where there's a lot more compaction. And you'll see that benefit if you do do it every year or every other year. But um, I've seen people get away with it up in the sandy soils without doing it for, you know, 15, 20 years. So. You know, before we break, I want to get Jerry in St. Paul's question. In fact, I think we have two people asking about the same question. Go ahead, Jerry. Thank you, sir. Uh, I had a, a tree removed in my yard, and a hard maple tree, and... I had the stump ground out, and I've got a hole there that they left that was like three feet by five feet, maybe a foot deep. So I paid the tree service to clean up the mess. Well, what they did, they threw maybe a 50-50 mixture of sawdust and dirt back into the hole. So now, whether I seed or sod, do I have to take that mixture of sawdust and dirt out of there and put in just pure black dirt? I would I would say try to. Um, you're going to see a lot of settling with that kind of mixture that's in there now. Um, you'll get better seed germination with better soil as well. So, so probably so, Jerry. Right, I would uh, say yeah. Make yeah, it probably also the sawdust is is pure carbon and that's sucking up all the nitrogen. Going <laughs> to be battling for nutrients. Yeah, there. exactly. Wow. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. Hang on, everybody. We have to take a break. Uh, we'll be back with more. If you have a uh, turf question specifically. For uh, Jared from Mickman Brothers, uh, by all means, he's going to be here for a few more minutes. Take advantage of it. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. 48 degrees is our uh, current temperature reading. Uh, 64 or so will be the high later today. You stay tuned to News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on uh, News Talk 830 WCCO in studio uh, Julie and Jared this morning. Yes. Uh, answering your question. Jared, specifically from Mickman Brothers, who's kind enough to come in here today to answer turf questions. That's so take right. advantage yeah. of uh, Jared's presence in here it is this the morning. Uh, it is the season. Nearly. Uh, what's, well, and a lot much. of text to mess, as you can see, yeah. Julie, tons let's, of them. What's the best grass seed, Jared, for rocky clay soil? Is there such a thing as a good, better grass seed for that type uh, of soil? You know, not. Uh, not particularly. I mean, you always want to pay attention to um, the kind of seed you are buying in your bags. Um, by law, they're required to put, you know, the mix that they have in the in each bag on the on the label. So pay attention to that. Make sure you're getting good. You know, um, Kentucky bluegrasses and perennial ryegrasses, and not annual grasses um, or other weed seeds. Um, so just paying attention to that's your best bet. And uh, going through the right practices when seeding is important too. So. Um, I mean, not particularly. You know, I just got to... Well, here, Jared, is, a, is another one kind of connected. The best grass seed to use in sandy soil. See, now that's that's a little more up our, our alley up in Anoka <laughs> County. Um, there are better sandy seeds and better sandy grasses. Uh, tall fescues are a great uh, sandy grass. they got good deep roots that can establish themselves a lot better in that sandy soil. Can I... See, we're, we're overloading Jared yeah. with questions Keep here. Keep going. Can I 
or should I oversee the lawn if lawn is covered with creeping Charlie? Da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> first things first, right? Get rid of the creeping yeah, Charlie. Yeah, get rid of the yeah. creeping Charlie first because um, it will outcompete your grass. Um, so getting rid of that this fall might be um, the top of your list and then maybe going back and overseeding in the spring when that's not such a big issue uh, would be your best bet. And this is a good time to get rid of the creeping yeah, Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. Any broadleaves uh, right now, it's a good time to get after those. Yeah. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Here is the one came in earlier, as you can see, Julie. Uh, anything new out there for getting rid of creeping Charlie? What's that chemical you guys talk about all the time when the that would be? Triclopyr. A... Yeah, tricloper. Okay. Tricloper. Um, that, uh, and when is that applied? Isn't that applied in the fall? Yeah, you can do it in the fall or the yeah. spring. Oh, either one. Yeah. All right. Whenever there, you know. We're just Whenever in... there's creeping Charlie. Yeah. All right. Well, let's fall see. Is, fall is it's best to the... get them on the way out or on yeah. the, as they're juvenile, either coming up or, yeah, on their way out. Because let's... they're doing a lot of translocating and. And putting nutrients through the roots, and so they'll absorb the herbicide. Cindy in Lakeville is calling in with a question. Cindy, what is your question? Hi, I had a tree removed, and now I have a flat surface to plant grassy, but I have no idea what the steps are to ensure success. What do you think, Jared? Well, like we were saying, this is a good time to do those repairs. Um, going in with, like I was saying earlier, a good uh, mix of grass seed that um, has good seed in it. Uh, using a starter fertilizer is always beneficial. Um, and then keeping it wet through germination is also important. So once you get it wet, keep it wet, and um, hopefully you see success in that this fall. Now, if folks want to visit you at Mickman Brothers, where's Mickman Brothers located? Highway 65 and Andover Boulevard in Ham Lake, uh, just north of Blaine. We'll sign autographs. Oh, yes. <laughs> Maybe I'll write a book and do a book signing. All right. There, you're going to do <laughs> that, that quickly. Cool. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lyle is calling from uh, Coon Rapids. Lyle, you're on CCO. How can we help you? Yeah, good morning. I was calling in regards. I have two shrubs in the front of my house. They're about five feet tall. And I don't, uh, I was just wondering how I would remove those. I mean, is the root system really deep on those, or can you just dig them out when you take them out of there? Have they been pretty healthy? Yeah, they look pretty healthy. It's just that my wife and I want to change the look of the okay. front of our rambler. So, yeah, so if they're if you're going to be taking out shrubs, you may encounter a pretty complex root system that you really have to dig into, but sometimes the roots will surprise you. Sometimes okay. they may not yep. be as extensive as you think. But you can okay. go ahead and uh as you dig in there and you start to see that you can cut off some of the roots. You can dig out, you know, to yeah. a manageable area, and then just go ahead and cut the roots off. They might, uh, depending on what the plant is, it may re-sprout if it's a uh-huh. suckering suckering shrub, for example. But okay. if it's an evergreen, it probably won't. Uh, you'll just have to, as you then replant, you'll you can dig up those other roots and just keep cutting them back and cutting them back, and as you okay. encounter them. Could I? Uh, would Would it be viable to put a chain around and cut it down? Yeah, yeah you and can. then yank, yank them out. You could do that. Is it is it near your foundation, did you say? Yeah, it's near yeah. the front of the house. So I'd be real careful about that because if you pull it and that root has gotten into the foundation or has grown up along it, it could do a little bit of damage. So I'd, I'd kind of I'd not necessarily just resort to that. All right. Uh, let's see. We have got so many text messages as usual. Here's another one for Jared. Uh, when's the best time to treat for grubs in the lawn, Jared? So fall is a good time because grubs are active, um, but I also say spring too because a lot of times the products are season-long controls. So I'm 
money-wise, you're getting the best bang for your buck if you go uh, earlier in the year. Otherwise, a uh, second application in the fall never hurts either. Okay, very good. Eric is calling from East Bethel. Eric, you're on CCO. Good morning. By golly, good morning to you, Jared. We're uh, just up the road from you there. All right. We are, yeah. Incorporated, beautiful incorporated sand trap we call East Bethel. <laughs> <laughs> My main main question this morning is, uh, with as dry spells as we've had this summer, my uh, lawn has actually been taken over by crabgrass, and believe it or not, the crabgrass actually looks better than the uh, remaining part of the lawn. What do you recommend for next year? Uh, get after it right away in the spring with with the pre-emergent in your fertilizer. Uh, That's the best time to get after your... Your crabgrass, crabgrass is an annual uh, grass and weeds, so um, preventing that seed from germinating in the spring is going to be your best bet moving forward throughout that, that summer, if, especially if it's hot and dry like it has been. Had another text about grub control, which you have answered, but this uh, text uh, was uh, wanted suggestions to get grass to grow in the shade under a maple tree. Is that uh, kind of a tough request? That is a tough yeah. request, and and people are um, you know protective of their trees. So I'd I'd tell them to trim them up, but you can only do that so far. And maples are pretty shallow rooted, so um, it's definitely a competition with grass. Um, extending your flower beds is always an okay idea under trees mulching. like that. Yeah, mulching, mm-hmm. mulching. Yeah. Um, but there are some good dense shade mixes and grass seeds that you could definitely try and um, maybe see some success in that. I think one of the problems with seeding under trees is you got to mow over the roots, and then you can damage the roots, and yep. that opens up a whole list of, of issues with bacteria and fungi that could inhabit that. In, right. uh, well, Jared, get into the roots. Jerry's been kind enough to help us out uh, this morning. Now he promised he's going to be signing autographs up at Nicholas Brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, are you going heading Swim. there right from yeah, here I'll now? Right, I'll be there in no, in no <laughs> time. But seriously, will you be will you be going back yep, to Nicholas? Yep, okay, back, well, yeah. good. Well, thank you. I hope you stop by again sometime, Jerry. Yeah, it was absolutely. nice to meet you. Yeah, it was great yeah, to meet absolutely. you. Nice to meet you Happy too, to Meg. And we'll, we'll, and uh, Meg was here too. Meg McLean was here from Mickman Brothers. Thank you all for the help. We have more show to come. We're going to put Julie back oh. to work. So enough coffee for you. Oh, we'll uh, we'll get to it. So <laughs> folks on the line, stay there. Textures will uh, pick up on your questions as well. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, brought to us by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. Julie Weisenhor is with us, yeah. answering your questions. Woo-hoo. And as you, you could probably be here for about another three hours or three <laughs> days, maybe, because of the. Uh, That's text. okay. Yeah, it's all right. Well, let's let's get it's that. Forty eight outside. I don't want to go out right now. All right, <laughs> just wait. I know. All right, I know. Let's get back to the phones, Julie. Uh, Roger is calling from Oatana with a question. Roger, go ahead. Julie's listening. Uh, yes, Julie, I've got a, a, a question here. I have several uh, Sienna Glen maple trees that are, uh, they've been in the ground now for six years or so, but okay. they've got some, they've got some roots that are kind of circling. Mm-hmm. They're, girdle, they're going to girdle the tree here eventually. Okay, I, I think they will. They're running circular to it and they're four inches away from the trunk or something. Is this a good time to cut those roots? Or is it better to do it? I found them already um, a couple months ago, and I thought I better not do it now while they're actively growing. But maybe it's not good now either for with winter coming. Boy, that is a very good question. I'm thinking about the physiology of the tree. Oh, <laughs> oopsie! <laughs> I think uh, I think that uh, I think that you could prune them off now. Um, you want to take care of those as soon as you can. That's a that's a pretty serious situation. 
and um, and it and it's due to probably the it's due to the way the plant was um, originally maybe grown in a container, and uh, and that those roots were circling when it went in the hole, and that they weren't uh, there was no root pruning done when the plant was originally planted. So that's one of the steps is when you take a plant when you take a tree out of a container you need to look uh, at the roots and and eliminate those circling or potentially circling roots. And then also, uh, if there's if the root flare is buried too deeply, you need to uncover the root flare so that you can see that first where that where the base of the plant starts to flare out to the major roots. So I think you could prune those off now, and uh, and then you want to be sure if you've planted that tree pretty deeply, you want to un- unbury it so that you see that first root flare. I just did that with my. Maple tree that was an original maple tree. My house was built in 1986, and when they built the house, uh, they built the deck around the base of the maple. So the maple comes up. It's a beautiful, wonderful canopy over our deck. But they had buried the root flare 12 inches down. It took me six hours of laying on my stomach. (laughs) Carl can attest to this with a hand hoe. Uh, working and undigging that root flare. Unfortunately, mm. it was still healthy, but I did find some circling roots down there, and I pruned those off at that time. That was a few weeks ago. But, yes, I think you could prune those roots off now. Okay. To, wow. Long story short. Labor of love. It was. It was. I have great photos of it. There's an article about it on our Yard and Garden News blog. Oh, and, by that, the way. Yes, we even mentioned that. <laughs> we should be sure to mention to visit our extension site at extension.umn.edu. Go down to the Learn About and you can click on Yard and Garden. Uh, and our Yard and Garden news blog is a wonderful way to read about current issues. Jeff Hahn wrote something about uh, grain beetles. Some people might find those if you had new construction. Uh, you can read about those. They're harmless. No, no worries there. There's also a good article about can I eat the squash that has funky, corky, raised uh, marks on it or black marks or... Anything like that. So Michelle Grabowski wrote that one for us. She's right. our plant pathologist. And again, the website is? Extension.umn.edu. Excellent. Christina is calling from Prior Lake with a question for Julie. Go ahead, Christina. Good morning. 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 Um, morning. Um, I have a begonia that's been um, outdoors, and I want to bring it inside. During the wintertime, okay. do I need to um, prune it back, and will it still flower? What kind of begonia is it? I believe it's a wax. A wax begonia. Wax begonias, you can, yes, you can bring them inside. They are harder to overwinter than, say, an angel wing begonia. Uh, They just are not, they're more of an outdoor annual, um, and they get a little peaked looking in the house. You need to really put them in a sunny spot so that they do get some light, even though they're, you know, typically we put them more in a shady spot. Okay. Okay, great. um, Thank you. Yeah, and I'm glad actually that you brought that up because uh, it is the time to start thinking about those house plants that are sitting out on your deck or your patio. And if you're going to overwinter them in the house, uh, definitely take a look at the plant, clean up all the debris around the bottom of it. You might want to repot it. This is a good opportunity to do that. Um, You don't want to bring any critters in with them, like uh, look under the leaves for egg masses of insects, Um, clean up the debris. Prune back the plant so that uh, take off any dead flowers and fallen leaves. And also look at the bottom of the pot. A lot of times insects will inhabit the base of the plant and underneath the pot. 
and you want to really clean that up. Same with the saucers. You want to wash those. You're really looking for the cleanest plant possible to get in the indoors. You don't want it to be carrying in any uh, any hitchhikers. Yeah, makes sense. I love this text. Thanks for doing this program. I take garden talk over politics yeah. every day. Gardening is the new yoga. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. There's a lot of benefits to gardening other Absolutely. than just great plants. You get a lot of fresh air and you're stretching and we often, you know, we sit at our desks all day long or you know, looking most of at us screens. do looking at screens and you're yeah. and it's also very uh, you know, when you have success in gardening, it's very uh restorative. Yeah. Good word. I like yeah, that. I like that word, too. Mary is calling from New Prague with a question. Mary, you're on CCO with Julie. Yeah, I want some information about a mandeville vine. They have them growing in pots right. um, around Main Street of New Prague. And uh, tell me a little bit about them and how hardy they are. And I'll hang up and listen. Okie dokie. Great. Uh, so mandevillas are tropical plants. They grow uh, in Mexico, South America, uh, Central America, and uh, they are not hardy in Minnesota. So they need to be taken indoors, and you can trim them back. They do have a sticky white sap that, so if you're pruning them, don't prune them over your carpet, you know, prune them over the sink, and, and that sap will dry, and uh, and so it won't affect anything after it dries. But one of the things about mandevillas is that they're big feeders. In other words, they need to be uh, fertilized at least half strength of your fertilizers, common house houseplant fertilizers, just fine. But you want to be fertilizing those when uh, you water as you water them through the winter. I think mandevillas perform the best in the house when you keep them trimmed back. They'll start to put out long, viney uh, stems, and I would keep cutting those back. I would not encourage it to bloom in the house, uh, partly just because a plant uses a lot of energy to bloom, and um, and so by having it bloom in the house, it's actually using a lot of its energy from its roots to create those blooms. So I would keep it, just keep it pruned back through the winter. It's not going to be a spectacular plant, but then in the spring when it warms up, you can take it outside, start feeding it again, and um, and go ahead and then let it bloom and grow as usual. I've had success uh, overwintering one now for a couple years, and and I'm not the the king of overwintering plants <laughs> or the it queen. will drop or the queen <laughs> and it will drop a lot of leaves so you, you do want to be tidying that up too you don't want those to accumulate at the base of the plant or on the floor around it no we have to take a break but i want to get betty in corcoran's uh, question posed here betty what is your question for julie i want to know what to do with my dahlia all right so is it a dahlia that uh, you are going to replant next year or is it would, an annual i would like to i would like to replant it okay so you can do a couple things. You can keep it over the winter in your house and just uh, you know just keep it watered. But uh, a lot of people will dig up the tuber and then uh, they will go ahead and, and overwinter that. In uh, you want to clean it off, check it for any spots, put it into uh, let it dry for a few days so that it cures. It kind of forms a, 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 a kind of a sh- not a shell, but it dries the outer edges. You don't want to put a wet bulb away. In other words. And then you can put it into a paper bag, and you can put it in a cool, dry area. Take it out in, in February. You want to check it through the winter for any issues. You know, Make sure it's not rotting or anything. Um, if it gets a little moldy, you can dust it with a fungicide that you can get at your garden center. Take it out in February or so, pot it up, and put it in a sunny window, start watering it, and it should be ready by spring. 
All right, very good. Thanks, Betty. Uh, we need to take a quick break here, Julie, but we have more show to come, so don't go away. We have callers, we have texters, and more Smart Garden straight ahead here on CCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, who is going to give us that website again. Yes, it's extension.umn.edu. A lot of good info there. Yeah, it's awesome. Ed is calling from Bloomington, I believe, with a question for Julie. Ed, go ahead, please. Good morning. Morning. I have a, uh, I have a large locust tree, a thornless locust, that's really a, um, a asset to my yard, but it's getting the branches are getting so long that I'm afraid there's going to be some um, break in a storm. So if I cut those off, do they need to be treated at the stubs? I know not to cut them too close to the to the main trunk, but when you cut those off, what's the latest thinking on that? I've read that you can paint them or spray them with some latex material or do nothing at all. What's the best thing? Do nothing at all. That is correct. The only time that you would cover or a cut in a tree, and I'll use oaks as an example, is let's say that we have a storm in the early spring and a big oak branch comes off. Now, the time between April and June is prime time for oak wilt to be transferred from tree to tree. So that would be a case where I would paint that uh, that uh, cut on an oak. But for a honey locust, no problem. You can go ahead and prune those now if you have to prune them. Otherwise, I, you could wait till spring as well. Spring, or you could do it in the winter, whatever is most convenient. Someone is going to an apple orchard today. What oh, kind of excellent. apples will I probably get to see? Oh, well, as a matter of fact, I stopped at the Arboretum Apple House yesterday and picked myself up a, some sweet tangos, Those which are, great are one of the best, I think. <laughs> My personal no, I, feelings I about that. Um, but they are now um, they are now apples that are available. Uh, Honeycrisp are also coming in. And there are still Zestar, and uh, you'll probably find um, some, uh, a few other kinds, too, that are more of an early to mid-season apple. What's the new one that I missed this year? A um, kiss, somebody kiss. First kiss. First kiss. Yep, and if you're buying it outside of Minnesota, it's called Rave. But it will taste different. It will taste different. That is correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. This, uh, we have so many text messages. Excellent. What is the process to bring in geraniums to use next year? Okay, so not unlike what I just uh, talked with the person about with the mandevilla and the begonias, is when you take in those geraniums, there's a couple different thoughts, um, and I'll tell you what uh, what I think has been successful. If you can, I would bring those plants in, check them for insects, clean up the soil surface, check the pot, wipe the pot up, take the opportunity to repot that plant if it's if it's become root root bound in that uh, pot, and uh, and trim it back. It will re relief out, um, and then put it in a sunny window and keep it as a house plant. I think that's one of the easiest ways to take care of your geraniums. There are people who overwinter them in, a say, a heated garage. I've tried that before, and I've actually lost geraniums that way um, because I tend to forget about them. They're under our picnic table, and I just don't water them or anything. Uh, some people will put them into, um, if they have like a root cellar or a well room or something. My mom used to do this, and she was very successful at overwintering. Uh, the geraniums because there's moisture there, and it's like they lead a, need a little tiny bit of watering through the winter to keep them going if you let them go dormant. 
what you don't want to do is put them in a hot closet, some like in your basement or in your front hall or something, and leave them. They will dry out and desiccate. So you need a little bit of moisture. You need cool temperatures, roughly 50 degrees would be great, 45 and uh, and uh, or you can keep them in a sunny window as a house plant. I like that. I was in Sweden with my mom on a trip. Uh, now, boy, seventeen years ago, mom, I can't believe it. And um, and everybody had geraniums in their windows, which was fantastic. And I went home and did the same. Oh. <laughs> so that's a great way to have a nice. Uh, they'll flower in the house, and and they look great. And they're such easy care plants. Very low pest issues. We were talking earlier in the hours, you know, Julie, about uh, turf uh, with uh, Jared. And uh, somebody, we, we talked about Creeping Charlie, as we do from time creeping to time. Charlie. But uh, somebody wanted to know the chemical name. But isn't it easier to go to your garden center yes. and look, ask them what kills Creeping Charlie? Yeah, uh, when, when we talk with our turf guys, um, they're recommending, and turf women too, sorry about that, ladies. Um, they recommend a mixture of glyphosate which is a non-selective herbicide, uh, often found under the titles of Roundup, et cetera, and, uh, and triclopyr. And those two together, in particular with the triclopyr, are going to be uh, your best bet for broadleaf herbicide. Okay. Uh, how late, someone's a text says, uh, can I plant trees or shrubs in the fall? For example, a lilac. You can still plant, boy, um, I would say you're coming up to the end of the opportunity now. And the reason for that is not because the weather's going to instantly, we're going to have snow or ice or anything, but it's because the plants need time for their roots to become established in order to make it through dormancy through the winter. And uh, and so if you haven't planted now and you haven't bought the plant and you're, you're busy this weekend, I would probably wait till spring and I would go to your local garden center and purchase your plants then. And then they have the whole season to get established. And you don't have to worry about trying to keep them watered up until freeze. Uh, so I would, if you haven't got time to do it in the next week or two, I'd just wait. There'll be more selection too. That's a good point. Uh, Texter says, I have beautiful tall zinnias this year. How do I save the seeds for planting next year? Once the flowers die back and they, they kind of turn brown, then collect the seed heads and you can spread them out on a paper plate and let them dry. You don't want to put wet seeds or moist seeds away. Let them dry out. They should be to the point where you can take your fingernail and, and snap them in half. So take one or two as a sample. And then go ahead and put them in an envelope. Mark them with the name of the zinnia. You want to know what kind of variety it is. And then go ahead and save those in a cool, dry location. It's important. I've, I've mentioned that a couple of times, that things are saved in cool locations. You don't want to put seeds in hot locations uh, they will dry out faster and, and uh, possibly die. And same with the plants that you overwinter. It's really important to keep plants cool. We have, Julie, about a minute to go. Can we do one oh, a real fast sure. one here? Sure. Uh, what do you do with the amaryllis bulb I planted outside this summer? Winter storage, when do I bring it out again? Okay, so the amaryllis bulbs, uh, you can keep those growing as houseplants as well if you're not concerned about them mm-hmm. blooming at a specific time. But now would be the time to take them indoors. If you want to time that bloom for, say, Christmas or for New Year's, then put them into a, a, a closet. You can put the whole pot right into a, a dark location, let the leaves die back, don't water it, and let it sit there for a couple of months, so about eight weeks. 
take it out, put it in a sunny window, and start watering it. We do have an excellent publication on our extension site. I wrote it because I had to research it. So, <laughs> And it is a good publication and shows good pictures about how to repot uh, amaryllis and take care of them. And that's at extension.umn.edu on our yard and garden page. Excellent, Julie. Thanks for all good the help. See ya. We'll see you again down the road. Stay warm. Yeah, you too. Fall comes in at 854 tonight. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.